Yes. We, uh, we have a special thing going on today. All right, now normally I would be saying in the room, if you want the sermon in Spanish, you can scan this code behind me using the camera on your phone. All right, and then it would be transcribed, anything said in the microphone, into Spanish for that person. Today, I have a friend, uh, Victor Morales, that is here with us today. He's going to come up in just a moment. And uh, he is right now helping pastor a church over that's meeting in Freeport, but he's from Melrose. And uh, he's been here a few times, kind of helped us out with different things. And I started to dream just a, a few months ago and started thinking about, okay, what would this look like for the rest of us in our church to be able to empathize and feel what it's like for part of our community when they come to church? And so what we're going to do today is this. When Victor comes and he's going to be speaking today, the first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of his message are going to be done in Spanish. All right? So I'm going to say this to the rest of the room. If you would like the sermon in English today, all right, uh, and this is, I feel like I need to turn around and do this as well, so when I sit down I have it, but what you're going to do, we've done this a few times, we have QR codes, uh, you're going to take out your phone, you're going to pull up the camera, all right, and you are going to put it on that little QR. And when you do that, there should be a little bubble that pops up. Okay? You click on that bubble, it's going to bring you to a website. You enter your name and you enter the language that you want the sermon in. All right? And then when Victor comes and he begins speaking, it will be transcribed onto your phone. Now, here's what you're going to notice it's going to be a little bit delayed, it's going to go back and change things once it gets better context. And then there's going to be moments where it just flat out misses things. All right? And uh, I remember back when we were doing our Christmas series, and Pastor Aaron was talking about myrrh. And I had scanned this, and I just had it coming in on my phone in English. And it kept saying murder. All right? The gift of murder that was brought to the baby Jesus. And you're like, I feel so bad for anyone in the room right now that's getting this in Spanish, because they're probably sitting there like, what kind of church did I walk into today? <laughs> and it was just kind of, so that might happen. But here's what I want to do. We have talked about this several times. Uh, we have given messages about this idea. Our community is, it's pretty close to half and half between white and Latino. Our school is over 50% Latino. This is a massive part of our community. I believe that a healthy church looks like the community that it is part of. And that means on all fronts. That means politically, it should be as diverse as your community is. Socioeconomically, like what people make, it should be as diverse as what your community is. That means ethnically, it should be as diverse as what your community is. If you're a healthy church, you should look like your community. And a little while back, I said a line that I, I think is worth repeating today. And that's this. As we begin to step out in faith and begin to try and uh, make our church a place where anybody from our community would feel welcomed, there are going to be moments where we, we change things, we do things that for some of us in the room might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. All right? And what I said was this. When you start to feel uncomfortable, let a little like warning flag go off in the back of your head and then kind of push it away and say, okay, if I am uncomfortable, someone else in the room might be a little bit more comfortable. And we want to keep that mindset and that heart that we are willing to kind of lay things down for other people. 
especially when it comes to being able to make uh, Jesus just more accessible to people. And so this morning, as you sit there and maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable at moments and trying to figure out what's going on, okay, and trying to figure out, okay, did he just tell all of us to stand? Okay, just follow the people that, like, know Spanish, and hopefully they'll stand right away, okay? All right? But as you have those moments, just say, you know what? This is about the kingdom of God. This is not about, like, oh, in, in this country, you know, you, you speak this language or that, and if I went to another country, they wouldn't learn my language. Here's the thing. That doesn't matter. This isn't about, I am not a, a mayor or a governor or the president or a senator. I am not saying anything about our country. I'm saying something about our church and our community of believers, that when we follow Jesus, Jesus has modeled this self-sacrificial love, and he laid his life down. So if I need to lay down a little bit of my comforts from here, Time to time, I'm okay with that. And I want to be excited about the fact that when I lay my comforts down, hopefully someone else is picking up some comforts and moving a little bit closer to Jesus, all right? So that's what I have for us this morning. Uh, I'm going to have Victor come up here, and he's going to get rolling for us right away. Um, and then about halfway through, we will switch from Spanish to English. Uh, at that point, we will put the translation slide back up, change the translation back on the computer. Uh, so if you speak Spanish and you're wanting it in, in Spanish at that time, then you'll want to pull out your phone and do the same thing. So with that, Pastor Victor, why don't you come and share the word with us? Un poco incómodo, un poco nervioso. ¿Cómo están? Buenos días. Espero, buenos días. Mi nombre es Victor, como mencionó el pastor. Estoy tan emocionado, estoy tan privilegiado de estar aquí con ustedes. Uh, y esto es una oportunidad, es una, una bendición. Y uh, como dijo mi nombre es Víctor, uh, estoy ayudando a pastorear una iglesia, en, uh, en, bueno es en Melrose, pero estamos en, en, en Freeport. Um, pero estoy emocionado, uh, estoy casado, tengo 38 años de edad. Uh, no sé si tenga la foto de mi familia, uh, Esta es mi familia, esta es mi tribu, uh, tengo a mi bella esposa uh, y tengo a mi hija de 12 años, la mayor, Levani, y tengo a Mia, tiene 8 años, y tengo a mi hijo, Josiah, que es el más chiquito, y me acompaña mi hija Mia, mi hija Mia está conmigo, la, la mediana, ella es mi escudera, mi mano derecha está conmigo hoy, uh, la valiente, pero uh, sin más preángulo, sin más uh, uh, rodeo, Vamos a entrar a la palabra de Dios. Yo quiero empezar a entrar a la palabra de Dios. Y si se pueden poner de pie, vamos a leer el versículo, uh, el texto de hoy. Póngase de pie, vamos a leer. Yo soy vieja escuela así. Uh, me gusta leer la palabra de Dios, todos de pie. Uh, y si tienen su Biblia con usted, espero que le esté funcionando al traductor. Porque si no van a estar perdidos. Pero uh, Romanos 15... Versículos 7 al 13. Digan amén cuando lo tengan. Hopefully that comes in. Digan amén cuando lo tengan. Si no tienen Biblia, prendan su Biblia. O si no, está en la pantalla acá atrás. Amén. Amén. Vamos a leer. Versículo 7. Por lo tanto, acéptense unos a otros tal como Cristo los aceptó a ustedes, 
para que Dios reciba la gloria. Recuerden que Cristo vino a servir a los judíos para demostrar que Dios es fiel a las promesas que Él les hizo a los antepasados de ellos. También vino para que los gentiles le dieran la gloria a Dios por la misericordia que Él tuvo con ellos. A eso se refería el salmista cuando escribió, por eso te alabaré entre los gentiles, cantaré alabanzas a tu nombre. Y en otro lugar está escrito, alégrense con su pueblo, oh gentiles. Y además, alaben al Señor, todos ustedes los gentiles, todos los pueblos de la tierra, alábenlo. Y en otro lugar, Isaías dijo, el heredero del trono de David vendrá y reinará sobre los gentiles. Ellos pondrán su esperanza en él. Le pido a Dios, fuente de esperanza, que los llene completamente de alegría y paz para, con, para confían en él. Entonces rebosarán de una esperanza segura mediante el poder del Espíritu Santo. Vamos a orar. Señor, en este momento, Padre, te doy gracias, Señor, por tu presencia. Te doy gracias por tu uh, iglesia. Gracias por esta bendición. Habla a tu pueblo en el nombre de Jesús. Amén. ¿Se pueden sentar? Amen. Tengo que hacer señas, si no me van a entender. I have to do signals so you guys can <laughs> But, uh, in my mind too, I got to work on it. Uh, pero... Estoy emocionado, como les dije, amo a su pastor, amo a Iglesia Ríos de Vida, he estado conviviendo con ellos, amo la visión que tienen y he visto cómo Dios se ha estado moviendo en este lugar uh, y es una bendición ser parte de esto. Uh, pero creo que Dios tiene una palabra para nosotros hoy. Amén. Creo que Dios tiene una palabra para nosotros. Um, si ustedes leen uh, este, este, esta historia, este, este versículo, se, se puede ver, se puede ver que la iglesia de Dios, la iglesia es una iglesia multicultural. Y, y, y el tema que yo les quiero hablar hoy es una iglesia que está rebosando. Una iglesia que está rebosando. Y en el diccionario... Podemos mirar que la palabra multicultural simplemente se refiere a gente de diferentes culturas, de diferentes trasfondos, unidos, viviendo juntos, trabajando juntos en unidad. Y es, un, es un, una imagen hermosa uh, de la iglesia, pero también es una imagen hermosa de, de, de aquí, de este país. Porque se refería mucho tiempo, por mucho tiempo que este país es, es la... I hope it translates it right. La olla donde todo se une, o la olla de, de, de mezclar, la olla, the melting pot. I'll say it just in case it doesn't say it right. Uh, Estados Unidos ha sido eso, de muchas culturas, de muchos, muchas naciones, gente de, de muchos lugares unidos, viviendo, trabajando. Mucha gente viene a este país por un futuro mejor, a, a formar un hogar para su familia. Y... Eso es también la iglesia de Dios, la iglesia de Cristo. Una iglesia multicultural. Y un poquito de mí. Yo nací en México, en Morelia, Michoacán. Nací en 1984. Hagan la matemática para que sepan cuántos años tengo. Uh, y tengo 38 años. 
tengo 38 años y, y yo nací en México, en Morelia. Yo fui, yo fui tra traído, yo fui ah, traficado, fui smuggled por la frontera de bebé. Tenía dos meses de nacido. Entonces yo me creí en California desde chiquito, toda, toda mi juventud, toda mi, mi niñez. Yo cre crecí en California y California es un estado, como muchos saben, muchos saben que el estado de California es un estado muy multicultural. Hay diversas razas, diversas uh, culturas. Entonces yo fui criando, yo me fui creciendo con diferentes culturas. Uh, africanos, asiáticos, mexicanos, guatemaltecos, de todo tipo de raza en California. Es un lugar unido, muy multicultural. Entonces yo fui criándome ahí y mi familia, mis papás, cuando yo tenía 13 años, 14 años, decidieron moverse a Minnesota. ¿Por qué? No sé. <risa> mi, mi, mis papás decidieron venirse para acá y toda la gente me preguntaba a mí, ¿why? <risa> ah, ¿Por qué? El trabajo, es así de fácil, el trabajo, California es muy escaso el trabajo y si hay trabajo no paga muy bien, el costo de vivir es muy caro, entonces decidieron moverse para acá ah, y aquí desde el 2000, del 99, 2000, tengo aquí, yo me gradué de la high school en, en Melrose y en el 2003 y aquí fue muy diferente porque llegué aquí y en mi clase de graduación yo era el único mexicano. En mi clase de graduación, yo era el único mexicano. Y, y había más hispanos, más, más latinos, pero en mi, en mi clase yo era el único que me gradué. Y, y en California era totalmente diferente. Era mucha cultura, mucha diversidad. Pero yo me crié hablando inglés de, de niño. Uh, y entonces yo, me, yo era muy... Me gustaba convivir con todos. Yo era un, muy amigable, muy sociable. Y aquí me empecé a juntar con los hispanos, los mexicanos, los jóvenes y empezaron a decir, no, pues aquí hay mucho güerito, mucho, mucho americano, hay que estar unidos nosotros porque nos están mirando mal. Y yo no, yo no crecí así, yo crecí como más unido a todos. Entonces empecé a crecer y convivía con los, con los americanos, uh, con, los, con los, I don't want to offend anybody, but we say güeritos, güeros, gringos, I don't know how, that's what we say. Pero yo me convivía con ellos, entonces era muy diferente. Y los mexicanos, los hispanos me, me hacían como bullying, me decían, no, yo, te crees güero, te crees gringo. Y, y no, no, yo, yo me gusta convivir con ellos. Entonces yo era muy, era muy güero para los mexicanos y era muy mexicano para los, los, los americanos. Entonces yo estaba en medio, pero fui creciendo así, fui criándome aquí y... Y me, me asombré cómo, cómo empezó a llegar la gente aquí, aquí a, este, a, este, a, estos, a estas ciudades, a estos pueblos. Mucha cultura. Ahorita ya miras a la high school, eh, en las escuelas, dijo que más de la mitad de los estudiantes son hispanos ahora. Eh, entonces va creciendo, va creciendo, llega gente. Entonces yo quiero hablar rápidamente cinco características, cinco características de una iglesia multicultural, de una iglesia bíblica, de una iglesia que habla la Biblia. Y el primero que yo quiero hablar, que, que se refiere Pablo en Romanos 15, 7, el 13, ahí en, ese, en esos versículos, en el verso 7, habla de una iglesia que acepta, 
una iglesia aceptante, no lo va a traducir bien ahí, pero es acepta, accepting. Uh, entonces el verso 7 dice, por lo tanto, acéptense unos a otros tal como Cristo los aceptó a ustedes para que Dios reciba la gloria. Una iglesia que acepta. Eh, otra palabra, esta, en otras palabras, este verso está hablando Pablo de que la iglesia las puertas están abiertas para todos, para toda la gente. Está hablando ahí. Y, y, y cuando la iglesia local abre sus puertas y es una iglesia que, uh, que acepte, realmente la gente de, toda, de todo trasfondo, de toda cultura, Dios es honrado a través de eso. Dios es honrado a través de que la iglesia acepte a todas las personas. Y la segunda característica de una iglesia multicultural, el versos 8 y 9 ahí en Romanos, dice, recuerden que Cristo vino a servir a los judíos para demostrar que Dios es fiel a las promesas que les hizo a los antepasados de ellos. También vino para que los gentiles le dieran la gloria a Dios por la misericordia que él tuvo con ellos. A eso se refiere el salmista cuando escribió estos pasajes. Entonces podemos ver, podemos ver y, y, y significa que Cristo vino por todos. Jesús vino a morir por todos, todos, no nomás a los judíos, no nomás para ellos, sino por todos. Y, y, y hace referencia a Pablo ahí a unos versículos aquí, hace referencia a unos, a unos versículos del Antiguo Testamento para comprobar que desde un principio la iglesia era una iglesia multicultural. O sea que Jesús no solamente vino por los judíos, vino por todos. Y, y hace referencia en el, estos versículos, estas escrituras en el Antiguo Testamento. Y, y, y habla, y lo, y lo repite ahí, ahí habla de esos versículos, como por ejemplo el verso 9 al 12, hace referencia a 2 Samuel 22, a 22, 50, donde dice, por eso te alabaré entre los gentiles, cantaré alabanzas a tu nombre. Y también habla de, ahí refiere a Deuteronomio 32, 43, donde dice, en, y en otro lugar escrito está, alégrense con su pueblo, oh gentiles. Y también hace referencia a Salmo 117.1, cuando dice, y además alaben al Señor todos ustedes los gentiles, todos los pueblos de la tierra, alábenlo. Y también hace referencia a Isaías 11.10, donde dice, le, eh, y en otro lugar Isaías dice, el heredero del trono de David vendrá y reinará sobre los gentiles, ellos pondrán su esperanza en él. Entonces, desde el Antiguo Testamento, Dios hablaba de una iglesia multicultural, de una iglesia unida, una iglesia grande. Y, y no, hay que, no hay que perder el punto, la, el, el punto clave es que Dios siempre planificó que los gentiles y los judíos estén unidos, desde un principio. Desde un principio siempre fue el plan de Dios, siempre fue el plan de Dios que el reino de Dios era un reino multicultural. Y ahí esos versículos lo comprueba. Y ahí es prueba de eso, prueba de que siempre fue una iglesia multicultural desde el principio. Amén. Ahora voy a hacer una transición a otro idioma. 
Ahora voy a hacer una transición a inglés. So now I'm going to transition to English. And if you guys think this is hard, it is. <laughs> I'm going to transition to English now. So if you have to switch to English on the apps, si tienes que cambiar a español, uh, de español uh, a inglés en, el, en la aplicación, ahora now I'm switching to English to continue to, with this uh, message. Amen? Amen. And it, it, it's hard because my notes are in English. And my whole, the whole beginning, I have to translate as I read in English. So it's kind of, but it's, 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 uh, it's practice for me. <laughs> practice for me. Amen. So now I'm switching English. So now everybody who has to switch to, to Spanish can switch to Spanish. I think they're going to pull up a barcode. Yep, scan the barcode. Amen. So this brings us to our third characteristic of a multicultural church that Paul is speaking about. And the third one is a worshiping church. A worshiping church. If you look at verses 9 to 11, 9 to 11 says, He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That isn't what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. So three times in these verses, in 9-11, in these verses, three times, uh, or in these three verses, God calls the Gentiles and the Jews to rejoice together, to worship together. And, and everybody knows that praise is a universal language of a church. Praise is a universal language. And, and you read, or you, anywhere in the, in the world you go, you say hallelujah. It's the same in every language. Hallelujah in Spanish, hallelujah. Yeah, I don't know how to say it in Chinese or any other language, but <laughs> hallelujah in every, you go to the most remote, most remote place in a jungle, in wherever, and you say, somebody says hallelujah, you can say amen because you know that hallelujah means just praise God. So you can say amen. Somebody says hallelujah, amen. Praising together. A worshiping church. And today we, we felt, you know, we were worshiping together. And I'm worshiping, and, and you could feel the presence of God. You could feel the, the move of God in this place. I love worship. I love worship. I, uh, I'm a worshiper. Uh, I play music. You guys have probably seen me here. I played drums every, uh, back a while ago in, in Sock Center and here. And now my little brother is playing in Sock Center. Uh, so worship. Worship is the universal. It's, praise is the universal language for, for the church, for everybody. Amen? And the fourth Characteristic of a multicultural church. The fourth is an evangelistic church. Evangelistic church. And verse 12 says, And in another place, Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. Here's our mandate for evangelism. This is why we send English teachers to China. This is why we send church planters to Europe, where we send missionaries to Mexico, all Central America, it's because that's the goal, is to reach, to preach, to take the good news all over the world. Not just within our communities, all over the world. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs hope. Everybody needs to find hope, needs to find peace, needs to find joy. Amen? 
So evangelistic church. That's the fourth characteristic of a church is being an evangelistic church. God's plan, God's plan reaches to the nations of the world, to the Gentiles to have, uh, who have no hope. God says there is hope in my son Jesus. And uh, I hope the word Gentile doesn't offend anybody. Gentile just, it's just a weird way, a word of saying this, non-Jew. <laughs> it's non-Jew because Jewish people and Gentiles in the Bible. So he came for the Gentiles and the Jews. And something that's kind of cool, if you look at, biblically speaking, there's only two groups of people in the world. <laughs> Jews and everybody else. <laughs> so guess what? We all fall now, everybody else. <laughs> and I think if God didn't come for uh, a multicultural church, if that wasn't his plan, I think we would all just not even be here. And, and his plan since the beginning was a multicultural church. Since the beginning. An evangelistic church. A worshiping church. Amen? And it's, it's uh, so, I get so, uh, how do you say it? Um, kind of frustrated. Because our Hispanic churches, our Spanish-speaking only churches, um, we have a tendency of being really reserved. Really, really, I don't know if it's because we're, a lot of our, our, our people, you know, come from a really tight or a really hard place where they lived. And, um, and they came to the States, and now it's really hard for them to kind of open up. It's kind of hard. And, and our culture is really, really like that. I don't know, um, like my parents. My parents are really close people, really reserved. My, my dad passed away from COVID in 2020, and, and he, uh, he seemed fine. He seemed healthy. And then all of a sudden, like, I asked my mom, why did my dad, you know, why did he pass away? Or what happened? He, got, he seemed fine. Like, yeah, but, you know, he, he had heart problems and he wasn't taking his medication the way he was supposed to. So he never opened up. They never told us that. We're really reserved. And, uh, and our culture is really, really, really like that. And, and, and I think even as Christians, even as Christians, even as, oh, they have Jesus now, you know, full of love. And, but there's still really, there's something there. And, and I feel like now... Day, and nowadays, like what God is trying to do with the church, what God is, we see it everywhere now. We're seeing with Osbury. We see everything that's happening. And I think God's trying to call us to, to, to be that welcoming, that diverse church, that united church, that, that multicultural church, to be the church of the Bible, of what Jesus says. And, and I'm trying, now that I've been co-pastoring with my mom, and I'm, and I'm telling her, hey, we need to reach everybody. We need a, it's, we can't just be just our group of little Mexicans right there, you know, in the, in the building. It has to be, the church is everybody. You look at Revelations, every nation, every tongue, every tribe together worshiping God. So, and what I admire of the American culture, what I admire is, is the generosity. You guys are so generous. <laughs> I don't know why, but you guys are so generous. You guys are super generous. You go to our church, we pick up. An offering for missionaries, we're lucky we pick up like 25 bucks. Nobody wants that generosity. And I think we can learn from each other. We can, we can transmit that to each other. So we get Hispanic people in here. And guess what? You guys are overflowing with generosity. And that's going to spill over. And that's going gonna to sound weird, infect us. And we're going to contract that generosity. Now guess what? We become generous. We start getting that spirit of generosity in us. And, and, and if maybe we 
we're a little bit more fired up. I don't know. I, I go to Hispanic churches. We're loud. We're, we're loud. You go to our church, everybody's screaming, for lifting up their hands, crying, praising God. Maybe we're overflowing with that. And that's how we become a body because we're a body of Christ. And not everybody does the same things. The foot doesn't do what the hand does and the eyes don't do what the mouth does. So we're the body of Christ. And the multicultural church of the Bible is that. The colorful church. Multicultural church. My fifth, finally, my fifth point, or my fifth uh, characteristic of a church, multicultural church, is an overflowing church. An overflowing church. Verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. An overflowing church. I love that verse. Because it says that God is a source of hope. Another version says he's the God of hope. And he's the source. You could be hopeless in America. You could be hopeless in Mexico. You could be hopeless in any country, Antarctica, wherever. The source is always God. God's the source. God's great desire to fill us with joy and peace. He wants his people to overflow with hope. He wants his church to be overflowing. Overflowing. It's a wonderful picture. Because we are to be filled with joy and peace and so full of it that it just overflows out of us. Overflowing. When you fill a bucket, if you're standing around in a circle and you have a bucket with a water hose in it, and you don't turn that water off and it just keeps spouting out and you have people all around it, sooner or later all those people are going to get their feet wet. Because it's overflowing. God's picture of a church, of us, is to be so overflowing with joy and with peace that it gets everybody around us wet. Because if we're overflowing, that changes the atmosphere of every, anywhere you're at. You go into school, you go into your work, you go wherever you're at, your home, and you're overflowing with peace. And with joy, sooner or later, your husband that doesn't come to church is going to start to get his feet wet. Sooner or later, your son, your daughter that maybe is getting high every week and getting drunk, sooner or later, his feet are going to start getting wet. Her feet are going to start getting wet. Because you are overflowing with peace and with joy. And the church is to be a place of hope. And we are to be people of hope. You know what? We ought to be the most happiest people. We ought to be the most happiest, most positive, most optimistic, most encouraged, most forward-looking, most creative, most dynamic, most happy people on the face of the earth. We're supposed to be so overflowing with peace and with joy that people outside are going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're crazy. They're going to be like, yo, why is she so happy? Why is, why is she so peaceful? 
because you're overflowing. Isn't that, isn't that, didn't her husband just pass away? Why she look so peaceful? Wait a minute, didn't, didn't she just get diagnosed with something? Why she look so peaceful? Because you're overflowing with peace and with joy. Now we should have signs outside of our church in the front that says, if you're looking for hope, we got plenty to spare. And I'm going to close. Would you like, please stand. I know I spoke about, this is a, about a multicultural church and, and about how God, God's plan was always to have a multicultural church. But I feel the Holy Spirit brought me here to maybe tell or remind somebody that he's the source. And he wants to fill you completely with joy and peace. He wants to fill you until you're overflowing. So you can get everybody else around you wet with that overflow of peace and joy. And I've been married 16 years, going on 17. We have three beautiful children. Our marriage wasn't easy. Um, I grew up, like I said, in California. And I was a very tra traumatized kid. I grew up really with a lot of trauma. I was sexualized at the age of four. I was raped at the age of eight. I grew up addicted to pornography all my young years. I grew up with hate, such a bitter person. And I try to fill that and I try to try to find that peace, try to find that, that joy. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, my mom was super, super reserved, super, I, we lacked love in the home, that affection. And I grew up addicted to porn all my young years because that was what I, where I found my peace and my joy. Where all those memories would just kind of fade away slowly, temporarily. And when I moved to Minnesota, I started coming to, to church. And, and I found the source. I found that source of hope and that joy. And let me tell you, when you find that source, you get connected to that source, everything changes. Everything changes. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect person because, hey, I'll, I'm not. But when you have joy, when you have peace, man, your life is so different. And it doesn't matter what background you come from, what culture, what ethnicity and race, that source is for everybody. And like I said, we the church is a should be a church full of hope, overflowing. And I needed that source. And when I found it, 
felt that overflow that I was, that the Bible speaks of. That overflow. Because he doesn't say he will just fill you partially. He says he'll fill you completely with joy and with peace. Completely. Because you put your trust in him. If you put your trust in him, he will fill you till you're overflowing. He will fill you. And, and with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to make a quick prayer before I transition to Pastor Josiah. I just want to make a quick prayer. Like I said, I felt like the Holy Spirit brought me here to remind somebody, to tell somebody. Maybe you're hopeless right now. Maybe you're in that position. Maybe you're in that place. And maybe you're just not filled. You're looking in the wrong place. And I feel that I was just sent here to remind you, to tell you, the source is God. And I want to make a quick prayer. I just want to do a quick prayer. Because if this is you, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want, with every eye closed, every head bowed, just say this prayer if that's you. Father God, I'm hopeless without you. I believe you are the source of hope. I'm tired of looking for joy and peace in other places. I come to you now, the source of hope. Please fill me completely with joy and with peace. I trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if that was you and you did that prayer, connect with your pastor. Connect with your leader. Because, like I said, once you're plugged in with that source, once you have that, your life's going to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to just kind of keep this this atmosphere in the room right now. Uh, I just, I'm so thankful for Victor and just uh, the conversations him and I have had over the years and the way that he's kind of helped me in some of this. And, uh, but I, I want to do this. Like today, yes, it was about a little bit of this experience of something different. You know, and when we went through the book of Acts last summer, something that was just so obvious to me, like this is not easy, even as Victor is talking about, he's like, I've written this in English, I'm trying to translate in my head, and I don't know if it's coming through, and we have this app, and you know, all these different things, like it's not easy. We know this isn't easy. But if Paul made decisions based off of the path of least resistance, <laughs> we wouldn't have any of this. Yep. That's not how we make decisions. We make decisions following God where he's leading us. And, and when we look at the book of Acts, like one of the things that was just most obvious when you look at the book of Acts is how diverse the early church was. Yeah. Like we know that what made the early church different, the power of the Holy Spirit being present in people made the early church different. But from the outside, they didn't know that. And from the outside, they were looking and saying, something's different. They're overflowing with this joy, with this peace, with, with everything. And they're looking, they're like, why is it? Why are men and women sitting together? Why are slaves and senators sitting together? Why are Jews and Greeks and you know, Jews, Gentiles, why, why are they sitting together? Nowhere else in the world do they come together. But for some reason, in this place they are. Yeah. And I believe that God has just, he's leading our church in a place where I want to see us just set this example of what does it look like for our community to truly come together. 
not just to tolerate each other, not just to make it so we can kind of spend time together, but to bring those communities together. And I, I think that is what, what God has for our church right here in Long Prairie. And it's something that we are moving forward with. But I also, I don't want us to miss this message that Victor has. This was so powerful. When you leave here today, when you're spending time with people this week, do they walk away from time with you just saying, wow, I want to spend more time with that person. Man, they're just so great. They're so joyful. They're so, wow. And what they maybe don't know in that moment is the source of that hope and that joy and that peace. And the more we make ourselves this overflowing person, the more they want to spend time with us, the more opportunities we have to share not just our hope and our joy and our peace, but the source, because that's what matters. So let's just do this. Let's close in prayer today, and then we'll dismiss. God, we want to just trust you in this process. Lord, we have no clue what we're doing. God, I have no clue what, I've, what I'm doing. I've never felt less prepared for something, less qualified for something. But God, in those moments where we feel unqualified, unprepared, God, we know that those are the moments that you get to shine through the most. God, in our weakness, you are made strong. So Lord, we pray as we just continue this path forward of trying to figure out what this looks like. God, that you would shine through this church. You would shine through every person in this room. God, that we would have opportunities to share you, the source of everything, the source of all with the people around us. God, we pray just a blessing over Victor, Lord, over the church in Freeport. God, even as they begin to step out and try and do some of the same things we're doing of how do we break outside of just our shell of our comfort zone. God, that you would just bless that church. Lord, that we be able to see people from every background come to know you. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.